0: Hello and welcome back to the Comic Lyra Podcast. The podcast that does deep dives into the best of comic books, graphic novels and mangas. I'm your host, the soon to be known as Comic Stan, and with me as always is my festive co-host, it's Jamie. Hello there. We are being very festive at this festive time <laughs> of year. I'm feeling the least festive I've ever felt. Yeah, we are in that middle kind of area where we're too old to really feel the festivity before you then have kids and the magic comes back you know well what i've learned what i've realized is that actually the magic comes back but it's you making the magic once you have kids you are the person creating christmas magic and that sounds more stressful it sounded like you're about to go into like a self-help like how to make your own magic By no. my 10 point plan. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, Ryan. I've taken a, you know this, but the audience don't. I've taken a part time job in the hospitality sector mm. for the Christmas period for some pocket money. It's been fun, but I'm also pulling like 70 hour weeks at the moment. And I'm doing a lot of those in a pub at Christmas time. And so I'm not feeling very festive at all. It does sound like your life is uh, somewhat mimicking a, a Hallmark Christmas <laughs> movie. It's like, he had to take a part-time job just to make ends meet. So what I'm hoping is that some attractive woman we went to school with comes mm. home for Christmas. And then I'm the like grounded but naive man from her hometown that she falls in love with. Yeah, exactly. And then she doesn't want to go back to her high-paying city job yeah absolutely <laughs> she just wants to live in norfolk with me to and sell rot. down with a schlub <laughs> and i'm not calling you a schlub but that is the archetype hey, of the guy if i was being casted in a hollywood hollywood film i'm not even sure i would be handsome enough to be the schlubby guy these days mm. the like, schlubby guys normally actually attractive which is an insult to schlubby us real schlubs well yeah because you remember f- for the longest time, Chris Pratt was a, slubby, a schlubby guy in yeah. Parks and Recs. He was the schlubby guy. He's Chris Pratt. True, but he was very good at acting the role. Yeah, like, this is true. Because in the first season of um, Parks and Recs, both his legs are broken, so he's like, "Babe, can you can you pass me a beer?" Yeah. Like, so he <laughs> he nailed the performance. Interestingly enough, the reason he got into that shape, the schlub shape. Is because he was ripped already. Like most people don't know this. He was ripped beforehand. Oh. But, but he it was a struggle to get parts. Cause if you're in Hollywood,
1: everyone's like, ripped.
0: Throw a stone. There's a bunch of ripped guys uh, yeah, going yeah. for the you know lead role, romantic role, whatever. So he was like, someone I think literally said to him was like, You're funny. If you were less attractive or less in shape, you could get funny supporting role bits like like a jack black was well, jack Black, the john goodman like the non-comedy version of that like he's the character actor support you know he's he's funny but you know what i mean so john he, goodman's fucking brilliant in everything yes but he's, he's not always funny like he doesn't always pick funny stuff am i the only mother oh yeah. what is it what's the line from um i'm the only, only guy around here who still cares about the rules like, yeah that guy i uh big lebowski um, oh the big lebowski hmm. man what a film but yeah, he got <laughs> he got fat, and then he was like, then did Parks and Rec, and was like, oh my god, you're so funny. Do you want to star in films? So it's like, can you get like can you get jacked first? He's like, yeah, I'll just get jacked again. <laughs> and then he got jacked, and everyone's like, oh my god, Chris Pratt got Chris Pratt got jacked. That's and what actually he just let himself go to help his acting career. That's exactly. beautiful. And then you look at like J.K. Simmons, like he was try he had to become the character actor, and then after, if you look at him now, he's now jacked because that was his natural state. Yeah, exactly. But he's just like, I might as well get Jack now. Like, he's not even taking lead man roles. So, before we begin, and just to go back to my original tangent, mm. can I put out a public service announcement this Christmas time? Uh, depending on what it is, but go ahead. Well, this is going out on Christmas Day, right? This is going out on Christmas Day. Merry Christmas. I hope, you've, I hope you are having a wonderful day. Merry Christmas. Merry Chrysler. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Um, that's plagiarism. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fine, it's fine. <laughs> Vine doesn't exist anymore. Exactly. How are they gonna find us? Exactly. So if you if when you're out in a pub on New Year's Eve, particularly if you are the kind of nerd that I imagine listens to our podcast. Who nerd doesn't only. Yeah, who doesn't usually go out drinking in pubs, when you order a drink from a barman or a bar lady or a bar person and they give you your drink, they don't have a card reader in their hand yet. Don't start pushing your debit card into their chest because they can't take your payment with their nipples. And it annoys me, Ryan. It annoys me. Are you using this outlet, this, this production, to just vent your own personal frustrations? Yes, but it is me and every other hospitality worker in the entirety of the UK right now. I know you want to pay by card. I can see your debit card in your hand. You don't need to push it into the pint I'm trying to put down on the bar for you. When I have a card reader in my hands, I will take your payment, sir. See, what I like to do is I'll get my wallet out and get the card out, but then realize I've done it way too early. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I'll just kind of awkwardly like stand there like, because I don't want to, I'm the opposite. Like I'm the intro. It's like, don't piss anyone off. So I'm like, not like holding it ready. So I'm kind of fumbling with it in my hands. Like I always play with my card when I'm waiting for payment. And you know what, Ryan? You are a dream to serve. You guys. I've been told. You guys are magnificent like, you have your card ready, it is visible, I don't need to ask you if you're paying by cash or card, I can see your debit card, is when you thrust it into my chest when I don't have a card reader in my hands, How? what are you expecting me to take that payment with? How am I supposed to take that payment? I do not have a card reader in my hands. sir. We're not that far off card readers being built into um, service workers' <laughs> hands or faces. Yeah, and just, you know, there's one on every pint glass. Yeah. we're not too far off it ai will help probably oh don't don't (laughs) have you seen i don't don't know if you spend as much time on tiktok as i do at the moment have you seen ai marge simpson i've not no there is somebody who has created a tiktok account with a narrative so it's all ai generated images of marge simpson but she's a like british woman just going through her life. She had a baby, and then she was going out on the piss and leaving the baby at home, and I think Child protection Services are now involved. AI Marge, man. AI Marge is where it's at at the moment. It's like the most interesting thing happening online right now. Did you see uh, AI Jerry Springer? Yeah. (laughs) It was was a a great idea for the time. It was a 24-hour day, seven days a week, constantly running episode of... uh, was it the Jerry Springer Show? Was that what it's called? Was it? It was. Uh, it was it Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> no, not not Jeremy Kyle. That's a British thing. Um, not even Jerry Springer. God damn! I've gotten the bloody as a comedian. Um, Jerry Seinfeld. Seinfeld show. God yeah. damn it! No. So Seinfeld. They did a constantly running AI written and produced show, and it was like block characters, like eight bit graphics. It was like you know, like fantastic. Yeah. But it was all made from a computer, so everyone was like, "This is crazy." And then what happened was it was going well and people are watching it. And then eventually it just started getting racists for some well, reason. Because they are. <laughs> exactly. And then everyone's like, shut it down, <laughs> shut it down. <laughs> like, it's like Spider-Man Turn two. Chachi BT off. It was Spider-Man 2. Cut the power auto. Like. <laughs> and I think someone just fed it like the Kramer um, comedy uh, stand-up debacle scandal, whatever. And then now <laughs> I was like, well, I guess I'm writing this into the episode. But uh, yeah, if you want to check that out, check that out. And now back onto the Christmas stuff. Yeah, the Christmas stuff. Merry Chrisnog. What are we talking about today? Is it festive? It is festive indeed. Uh, we are discussing the Marvel uh, 1991 holiday special. Uh, the reason being is, like we said, it's Christmas. And should we stuff a little bit? What's our relationship with Christmas? Uh, what's, uh, I mean, you know mine and I think I know yours, but for the listener... I'll say I'm a self-described uh humbug. Sure. I think I've got no or a grinch. I've been called a grinch.
1: I'm, I'm not that big on
0: Christmas. Me neither, if I'm being honest with you. For many years, for many, many years, my Christmas was getting imponderably drunk on Christmas Eve in the pub and singing with strangers. And then Christmas day was to be endured with a frightening hangover. If we're being we've, completely honest with ourselves. here. We've all been there at least once. <laughs> like i was one of those i was that relative that everybody in their extended family thought was miserable but it's actually quite chirpy because they only ever saw me on christmas day struggling yeah like fighting for my life on christmas day everyone thought i didn't drink because oh my god the thought <laughs> of it jesus christ um and so, yeah, my, my relationship with Christmas has changed over the past few years. I had a couple of experience, Christmas experiences that changed it, which we won't go into on air. Ryan knows, what's, Ryan knows what's up. He was visited by that angel that showed him what life was like if he was never born. Was that it? Well, I had a Dickens. I had a Dickens it's Christmas Dick, carol. No, Dickens is you're an arsehole. it is why you shouldn't be an arsehole. I'm talking uh, It's a Wonderful Life. That one. The black and white uh, one. Do you know what? Do you know what? It's a Wonderful Life came up in like a work quiz at a Christmas thing the other day. And everyone over 45 on the table was like, oh my God, I love a wonderful life. And all us millennials and zoomers were like, what the fuck is this? It's because it's black and white. That there was a cutoff of like, as soon as color came in, it was like, everyone who was used to color was like, fuck black and white. Like, that's old shit. I love shit in black and white. I'm, uh, I mean, you know me. If it didn't happen within, <laughs> within the last two weeks, it's not, it's not <laughs> yeah, relevant. Yeah, yeah, I it's, don't care. If it's it. not news, it's not important. Exactly. But yeah, Wonderful Life is that one. Obviously, Christmas uh, Cat Carol is the ghost and all that, which might the come most, in later. The most adapted piece of British literature. Mm. And the best adaptation is, of course, The Muppets, the Christmas, Muppets Carole, Christmas Carol, yes. which is fantastic and beautiful in every way. And as a self-described Grinch or Humbug, I have to say The Muppets Christmas Carol is probably the best Christmas movie. Oh, uh, you're wrong. Are you going to say Die Hard? You no, me one of those. Uh, there's a better one. All right. The Grinch, Jim Carrey. No, Jingle All the Way. Ah, Jingle All the Way. Jingle All the Way is the best. I will I will. I will will not have this contested. It's turbo time, motherfucker. (laughs) It's turbo time. I mean, yeah, it's it's good. It's a good Christmas it's film. It's Arnold Schwarzenegger in a Christmas film. What, what how how is this everyone's like, Oh, Love actually is the best Christmas film, or if you're yeah, a bit Love quirky actually sucks. If you're a bit quirky, it's the holiday, which I did watch recently, it is very good. However, it's not Christmas unless you've watched Jingle all the way. It's just not. Technically, Batman Returns is a Christmas film. <laughs> Takes place at Christmas. Yeah, see, and this is this is the technicality that Die Hard gets through. Die Hard is a Christmas film, and for a few years there, I did watch Die Hard every Christmas. But the Rick and Morty episode has ruined Die Hard for me. I'm doing a Die Hard. Yeah, this is it. Like, I I I feel like after that episode, I can't watch Die Hard now without thinking about Summer doing a Die Hard, having never seen Die Hard. If anything, it solidifies that Die Hard is such a cultural uh, touchstone. That to say I'm doing a diehard yeah. is understandable. So I was in a metal band once that had a song called Hard Love, and we were trying to write a sequel to it that was going to be called Hard Love 2, Love Harder, cool. which I'm really, which we thought was fucking hilarious. In then, retrospect, not that funny. It's that level where, speaking of somebody who wasn't involved in the creation of the joke, I think from the outside, I would see that written down somewhere, and I would go, hmm, that's cute. <laughs> like that's, yeah, this that's is the it level, yeah. I'd be like, this oh, that's, that's 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 nice Have you ever listened to Austrian Death Machine? Obviously not Have you heard of Austrian Death Machine? Obviously not Austrian Death Machine are a metal band with I don't know if it's actually an Austrian bloke at the front of it It's somebody doing an Austrian a- accent It's a metal band that only writes songs about Arnold Schwarzenegger films Okay Like exclusively cool. And they're a heavy metal band And they just sing about Arnie And it's fantastic there's a heavy you might already know this there's a heavy metal band. I can't remember what they're called, but they are all basically Ned Flanders. The Flanders. This is the Flanders. It's the Flanders. I can't remember if it's that or like Diddley something. No, they're the Flanders. There's also the Dwarf metal band. Right. Yep. I've uh, the gnome. Gnomes are they gnomes yeah because they've got the gnome hat like the long pointed they are garden gnomes no there's a metal band where they all dress up as dwarves from lord of the rings and they sing dwarven metal there's also a gnome metal band and i think they've started the gnome metal (laughs) genre Genre. i love that how over genrefied genrefied isn't a word i've coined it um, it sounds very cromulent. I've though. heard "genrefied" before. It's a perfectly cromulent word, obviously. Yeah, it's a perfectly cromulent word. Yeah. Um, the because of how genrefied metal is now, all you need to do is put on a silly costume and it becomes its own subgenre of metal. I feel like you need to add a little something to the music itself. Only, only like only a little. as yeah. much. And you then can you... tell by the tone in my voice that I was holding my fingers really close together. There, he was holding it like a, what's was the world's smallest violin. Yeah, like that that kind of level. So Christmas. <laughs> A very Marvel Christmas. That is what we're doing. And this one specifically, so this one I looked up for a very specific reason. And the reason is, and we'll get into the first story, but I'll mention now, it's the Marvel comic that canonized Santa Claus, not only being a character in the Marvel universe, but being also one of the world's most powerful mutants. Yeah. So I, I, I vote today that because this is a very special Christmas episode, we don't just talk about every comic book in order. Because I think both of us will lose our marbles. I mean, that's what I was going to do, but... <laughs> Damn, Daniel, back at it again. What, do you, what are you suggesting alternatively? Just, a, you know, a little, like, fun little guided tour through the thing. Not too Yeah, linear. guided tour chronologically oh, from beginning man. to end. We can do each story as, as you want. Like, there's no order to the story. So I, I don't care doing each story. As long as we do each story. I like to visit each story individually, because I feel like there was a variation in quality. So, like ones I want to kind of praise a bit more, and others I want to be like. Eh, okay. what, was, so what was Should the point we talk that? about the X Men first? It, well, it is the first one. Are it you is... sure? Are you sure you want to go down that chronological Look, route? Don't don't insist on structure and then get upset when I bend to your will and agree <laughs> to there being structure. I mean, structure makes the world go round. that's all I'm saying. Yeah, it it's the know. restrictions of structure is what actually helps conceive the most creative of ideas i think yeah no i'm aware of that (laughs) so the marvel holiday special i thought i didn't know much about it till uh till doing the research i initially thought when i did my most basic research i thought it ran from 1991 so it's the first one we're doing today to 2012 i thought fucking hell it's gone on for like 17 like 19 years yeah and then when i actually looked at the list of ones it was like Oh, there was one in 91, 92, 93, 94, 96, 2005, 06, 07, and 11. So, intermittently. Yeah, they've kind of picked up and dropped it like as and when they want. But still like a staple of the the comics. I think it's a rad idea. I'm going to be honest with you. I quite enjoyed my time with it. I already know what we're going to do next year. Well, I've got a good idea of what we're going to do next year. Because there's currently releasing right now... A comic about Batman and Superman helping Santa or something, and it, it looks really good. And the only reason we're not doing it now is because we it would not have released enough for our recording right now yeah, to, yeah. to cover the whole thing. So it's like put a pin in that. We'll we'll revisit that next year unless there's a better one. But it still looked good. So this one, as I said the 1991 one, anthology of uh, of Christmas related superhero stories. Uh, very of its time, very early 90s, which I think is very interesting. And we start off uh, with a story, and I actually got all the names of the stories. We start off with, that's one thing. I've got the names of the stories. They're in order. I don't know necessarily how, if I'm going to be able to link them correctly if we do them out of order. Let's see. But we start off with a miracle a few blocks down from 34th Street. Do you want to give us a brief, do you want to go back and forth with brief synopsis? So the mutants are... Specifically, the X Men. The X Men are decorating a Christmas tree, and then the bad X Men, who are called, who uh, are the named Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants really does what it says on the on the tin. Start causing some shit somewhere, and they go to deal with it, and Santa turns up. So, ca- ca- how how open are you to corrections in this I'll, instance? I'll take a correction. So. I what, read this a week ago. <laughs> yeah, what's interesting about this is the reason they're called out is that, or the reason they go out is because their cerebro machine, which is like Professor X's like psychic mutant hunting machine, basically uh, picks up like, oh my god, there's an omega level mutant, which is the highest level. We need to go like omega level is like there could be some serious damage if this mutant just does whatever they want, so we need to like go and like not like capture them, but like go and recruit See them. Help yeah, see stuff. if they're friend or foe. It's yes. an expression that actually comes up exactly. So they go there, and it turns out they're Santa Claus. But there's a great little thing where somehow the Brotherhood of Mutants, one of theirs, has that ability. So they they are also looking yeah. for the power. They want to be like we want to recruit them to evil and our ways and all that because we've self described as the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And that, yeah, I mean, I, I feel like that's a bit on the nose, but it was the nineties. Yeah, I think they retconned that. In later years, to just the Brotherhood of Mutants, which sounds okay. way more like we are the Brotherhood. That it's sounds way good. more badass. What happened to the evil? Like, don't, <laughs> don't worry about that. It's like just taped over on are the side. Are they still evil, though? Yeah, of course. They've always been evil, yeah. Then they should just go full in on it. But they don't, but good bad guys don't <laughs> think of themselves as evil, do they? It's <laughs> that Mitchell and Webb sketch. Are we the the bannies? (laughs) (laughs) We have evil in the name of the group. (laughs) We literally have a skull and crossbones on our hats. Exactly. So this one, uh, written and drawn by a Scott Lobdell and Dave Cochran. And very 90s. I really liked this kind of 90s art. Like the art changes kind of from story to story. So it's worth a little mention. I mean, it reminded me of old X-Men cartoons. Exactly. That's the thing. Well, there's a specific reason for that. And I think that's because of the lineup. So yeah what what the point we're at now with this is we had just recently I, I don't know how recently but contextually recently relatively recently that uh we'd come off the original lineup so yeah. the original lineup was gene gray cyclops beast iceman and angel so they were the original first x-men and then i think after a decade or however long after we say like we need to revamp and reintroduce some new x-men so this was the kind of new i think 80s this team maybe started wolverine's not an original x person not an original he became the most famous by a mile but yeah no he was actually when he was a when he was first introduced i think his original backstory was he was literally a mutated wolverine like he was a wolverine that became a human somehow or something oh obviously that got reckoned. That's gross. Yeah. <laughs> that got reckoned into that he was a actual mutant and wolverine was just a nickname or you know yeah. his, his ex his mutant name because he had the adamantium the, the adamantium, adamantium claws at this, at this point at least didn't he like it was referenced in the story. he always had the claws but back when he first it was introduced, that was when you just introduced the character yeah. and just gave them shit and just never bothered explaining it. It's like yeah. here's a guy with claws. Simpler and he was a baddie. Times. He was a baddie in the a Hulk issue first, I believe. Oh, that's rad. Yeah. And there's always been a running thing where Wolverine is one of the few like relatively human esque characters who can yeah. actually take on the Hulk in a fight. Yeah. He's taking most of the beating. Yeah. But because of his his uh, adamantium bones and his healing factor, he can actually like survive those and get some hits in himself. He can he can take enough of a beating, <laughs> yes, and come back from it. Yeah, there was a point I think we got ripped in half by the Hulk or something and he was still like yeah i'm still in the fight though which half grew back to make the other half i think he joy i think he like crawled oh, and like joined because he can't regrow the animantia i don't know it's comic book logic. i want to know if he grows from the body out or the legs up <laughs> but it's the, it's the deadpool um conundrum it's do two deadpools grow because deadpool not having the metal bones he can more like be torn yeah, up yeah. and stuff there was a doesn't he get the metal bones in that weird x-men one though no, he he must have done because he had the claws, but well, he had that, the two samurai swords, yeah, didn't? But he? But they were in his arms, Ryan they? Reynolds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> poor Ryan. Well, he, luckily it wasn't him by that point, but yeah, it was him, wasn't it? In the beginning, we've talked about this, yes, haven't we? Yes, maybe there'll be a video on at some point. <laughs> <laughs> maybe if Ryan gets off his arse and makes the soon to be comic stands, comic stands soon to be didn't say when. Um, <laughs> I mean it's been soon to be for the full year that we've been making <laughs> this podcast relative to when I actually started. <laughs> so we've got the X-Men, they're decorating the tree and got some absolute fan favorites here. Storm, obviously a great yeah. one. Um Nightcrawler, like if you yeah. like that's when you people know. It's like, "Oh, Nightcrawler." Like I exclusively recommend I I recognize the big metal Russian bloke from the us. Deadpool from the Deadpool films. Yep. Obviously, I recognised Wolverine. Storm was the only other one I recognised. I was weirded out that Cyclops wasn't there. So they meet him later, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is very much, I think, this was who was active in the comics at the time. Yeah, so, so they... This was the new group, yeah. Um. And Banshee is one that did not get as much of a presence in the 97 X-Men com- uh, cartoon. Is Banshee the one that makes a high-pitched screech yes and he's uh irish i believe and he can actually like fly because of his sonic screeching and stuff yeah he's the one in that new x-men film who breaks a statue isn't he uh which film you know the the one with um sansa stark in it oh apocalypse yeah i mean maybe <laughs> i actually didn't see apocalypse i, I like uh, that her name in my head is not sophie turner it's no. sansa stark most people i think <laughs> most people are our age like younger yeah, yeah. people know him because of Jonas Brothers and all that bollocks. Oh, she married one of them, didn't she? They're divorced now, actually. Shit! You heard it here first. You, it's <laughs> hot it's, news. It's, it's not that hot. It's, <laughs> it's everywhere already. Imagine if this was the first place to break it. It would be hilarious. How? It's like, how did you get this scoop? Ryan's just casually friends with Maisie Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in the know. So I get coffee. So classic Wolverine, uh, threatening a man made of metal with his metal claws. I know, but but surely his claws would go through right i mean this is the shit that comic book nerds love there there, there's been arguments had about it because colossal isn't made of adamantium is he no but that's the thing is his metal is more of a organic metal because it's his skin and you know so theoretically adamantium should cut through it because adamantium is one of the strongest metals in known existence but do we count or do the does the marvel universe count colossus skin (laughs) in that like do they actually, you know, rank it in it? Also, this um just as a side note, this comic book gave me the most terrifying piece of art, which is going to be my Christmas card next year. The <laughs> state of that. For reference, it's a very badly drawn, quite creepy Father Christmas holding a bunch of the evil mutants brotherhood. That he shrunk to the size of action figures. Yep, and not even just shrunk, made into action figures. It's like they terrifying. are inanimate objects, essentially. You're an inanimate fucking object. <laughs> so that's how powerful Santa is in this. Santa Santa goes hard in this. Yes, yeah. essentially, Santa just stops the fighting. it's never explained why he's in a mall in New York. He's just. I mean, is. that's where you find Santa. If the movies have taught me anything, Ryan. That's where you find Santa at Christmas time. But you also find him at several other locations at the same time. So, like, how was he there? Or why, why was he there? Look, if we're, if we're going to start debunking Santa, this needs to I'm be... I'm not saying... Restricted. I'm not debunking. Santa's real. I Like, for anyone listening, Santa's real. All I'm saying is, why was he at this particular <laughs> location? Because if he is bringing presents, why, like, shouldn't he be... It's leading up to Christmas. All the he Christmas decorations doing, so he are... He was doing his last minute Christmas shopping in Macy's. I obviously. mean, who, who of us haven't? but in macy's yeah <laughs> in macy's of all places but i guess all like my my qualms about like his story he's so powerful he could literally teleport across the earth or you know i mean who who knows what the limit is to mutant santa's powers so <laughs> the fact i'm i'm just merely asking why was he there i think the fact that he's a mutant is a very elegant explanation of santa's powers if i'm being honest with you i think they go i don't know if they go into further detail after this like i've i've heard things like I've heard, heard things of the Grapevine or Marvel Forums. I think it's later confirmed that he's like one of the oldest mutants. So that they normally reserve for the the villain Apocalypse. So he's meant to be the oldest mutant because he developed his mutant powers in Egypt. Ancient Egypt. So it becomes canon that Santa Claus... Like, is Santa Claus a reoccurring mutant? Mutant in the X-Men? So I don't... I. Th- think he might be i don't know that's fucking rad i mean he that's might be and it'd be it'd be stupid for them to not include that in later comics because you've yeah. d- you've started here in 91 and as we know comic writers love picking up bits from when they read comics as a kid and they be like i'm bringing this back in my run so like a chris like a full year's worth of x-men right that starts in january with this evil villain that nobody can work out that culminates in the December issue and it turns out to be Mutant Santa would be fucking rad. It mm. would be rad and like they'd plan the whole thing out. <laughs> Surprise. Turns out it's always been a Christmas comic. Right? Started yeah. Started in January. How amazing would that be? That'd be like some Tom King level shit. <laughs> <laughs> There's some Darren Brown level shit. Fuck Tom King. Get fucking. I will not have that blasphemy on the co- on the podcast. Yeah, we but, do want to get him on Monday. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's. It feels like one of those wasted opportunities if they haven't. I'll hopefully find some more for later Christmas episodes. Yeah. All going well. Um, I appreciated one of the evil brotherhood mutants was Blob, who is very gr- he's always drawn at various sizes. Like sometimes he's this level, he's just like a big guy. Other times he's like visibly a mutant, like he is like five people. Oh size. really? Yeah, yeah. It depends like who's drawing him and what they're doing. Because Blob's the one that Logan has that boxing match with. Yes. Yeah, who that, just tanks hits. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's a, that was a rather, I say, somewhat accurate depiction. Like when he was in the gym, obviously they had him skinny earlier on. And of sometimes his power, most of the time, his powers is just like he is that big. Like he doesn't, he's not fat and eats a lot like he did in that X Men Origins film. He is that big constantly, or when, at least when his mutant powers hit. But what I loved especially was um, Colossus when fighting with him, he literally says, in response to blob's quip he goes and you are immensely overweight for an american yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, i was like he's pretty small in this so it's not that doesn't he tell logan he's short for a canadian or something no colossus he says something colossus says something back to him because logan's fighting the guy who makes like an indestructible force field yeah and wolverine's like i heard this is indestructible but i'm gonna have a good go anyway (laughs) and then the guy's like bloody hell i think you might actually get through i love that the blob action figure is just round like that's fantastic artwork that's um, how big he should be like, <laughs> it, like that's in later comics yeah it makes sense also all these comics all these 91 comics have the pre-naughties over expositional dialogue yeah i feel like we're finding the marker as we do older and newer comics with fine it's like it seems to be the noughties was when it changed early to mid noughties is that kind of, there's a transitional period where you kind of get what you get but mm. after the noughties it tends to get a bit better, doesn't it? Yeah, and it's—I've read comics modern day come out this year that still do over-expositional dialogue, and I'm yeah. like, have you not learned, or are you just, or were you just commissioned to like churn out a bloody Iron Man story, and which yeah. is like, oh, okay, I'm paying I'm attention. Iron Man. I've been reading Iron Man recently. How's that been? Uh, it's a pretty decent one, actually. It's um, this one running started in 2022. Um, I'm reading it because it co- It actually coincides with the X Men, right? Because because that's huge. That run at the moment, yeah. isn't it? Iron Man actually marries. I haven't even got to this part yet, but Iron Man marries uh, Emma Frost from the X Men, oh. and it becomes because she's from Krakoa, their their living island, yeah. of their, their own country. It becomes like a kind of diplomatic marriage. So, oh, weird! So, weird, Marvel. Yeah. but that's why I love like that kind of level of thought. Does he not marry what's her face? I mean, he's he's probably been married and divorced, like you know, <laughs> <you> what <know, comic laughs> like. Tony Stark's like. Well, bloody look at look at Spider Man and Mary Jane oh, alone. Let's not. Well, we'll get to like, that. Later. I don't want to get sad. <laughs> but um, but yeah, Iron Man. He, he it's I haven't got to it, so I don't know the specifics. But it seems like it was a kind of diplomatic marriage, where it's like Tony Stark of humanity and Emma Frost of mutant kind like joining in and joining together and this is we'll now have more better relations with Krakoa and all that so I'm interested to see how that goes but it's written like good enough like it's not blowing me away but I haven't read much Iron Man so I'm is kind it the era of Iron it. Man where they draw him as Robert Downey Jr or is there was for sure I think it's gone back now I think he's more he's got like the so Iron Man had uh, Robert Downey Jr. had like the round goatee, yeah. Whereas in the comics, I think he's more had like the mustache and soul patch kind of thing, yeah, like yeah, yeah, totally not always like connected as the much. The nineties cool guy, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah, it's interesting. We'll see how it goes. If it if it turns out great, maybe we'll do it on the sh- on the on the podcast. Uh, but yeah, the bad guy action figures. As you saw that, I was like, Santa is like insanely powerful mutant. Like, yeah, just totally. breaking up fights and I love the old and now you x-men will forget this ever happened and yeah. go about your stuff and it's like keeping maybe that's why he's not been in it as much afterwards because no one remembers him well, i mean this so this is a tactic my dm used when he ran a christmas session that had santa in it which is that it has to not be canon right because you have this wider story that you're also dealing with and at this point in the 90s The people writing this shit knew that the people reading it loved to bicker about it. Mm. And so that's just such a convenient way of going, by the way, this isn't canon. This This is why they've not mentioned it again. This is a fun thing that we made for you. Just Mm. enjoy it, please. But here comes the possible plot hole. What happened to the Brotherhood of Mutants? Because... Well, yeah, I suppose what did happen to them. I think a bit of headcanon, which you can allow, is Santa revived them because he's nice at the end of the day and also wipes their memories. Yeah, like, maybe. He, we, he's displayed that power. We can assume that's probably what happened. So, yeah, overall, there was a fun story. Like, it was a bit of a laugh. I liked a bit of a fight in the mouth and all that. So just talking about the stuff that I harp on about, mm-hmm. I found it all a bit busy. There was a lot of, like, bystanders and stuff like that. Like... I'm showing mm. Ryan a couple panels now, which have a lot going on visually, and a lot of dialogue, and there's panels, there's smaller illustrations, inset in main panels that are like the bottom half of a page. It's busy. It's very busy. It was the style at the time, you see. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think based on some of the older stuff we've been reading, I feel like that is absolutely the case. Mm. However that was less the case in some of the other ones yeah and i think with this period of time they were still kind of dealing with the fact that the x-men so x-men was like mainly a five-person team as i said starting off with i think some artists kind of struggled with putting so many characters in in single panels yeah and so the x-men was like one of the largest teams Like, by this point. Because the teams around this time, like, Fantastic Four was literally only four people. X Men was then five. So, this next one, A Christmas Coda. Yep, yep. I'm showing my not comic book nerd status here. It has the thing in it. Yep. And a bloke who I assume is the Silver Surfer. Uh, No silver surfer in this one. So, who is this the Fantastic Four? This is a Fantastic Four story. The main character of the story is Franklin Richards, who is the son of um, Reed Richards and Sue Storm, Mr. Fantastic and the Invisible Woman. Well, this is why I didn't have a scoop what was going on, because it was a very normal, grounded story about a ghost, and then all of a sudden (laughs) sudden this kid's mum is flying, and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? So, in that part, and I... That was an interesting way how they depicted it, but that was her kind of making an invisible... So she makes invisible, like, force fields and stuff. So she's made uh, one that she's kind of travelled along. Dude, it was baffling. But, like, it didn't draw that much from the, the actual story, did it? I assume. No, but obviously I couldn't work out why this little boy's story was important. <laughs> it wasn't... Because you don't see the thing until the last panel. And then when hmm. I saw the thing, I was like, right, I think this is Fantastic Four. He... I... Do notice that the boy does have a four on his cap. Uh, I don't know if that was yeah. a uh, meant to be a giveaway for people more in the know. Yeah, there um, it is, right on it, right on his little beanie. I did find this story. So the basic gist of the story uh for this is they're shopping for Christmas and young Franklin Richards, he's like, Oh, I want to get this, and oh, I have to get a gift from my dad though. Like, oh, shall I use the money on myself or not? And then he finds this man who is basically what's the name? Is it Marley? from the uh, Christmas carol. Yeah. He's basically like a Marley in like he's a he's in a alleyway outside and I I re- I reread this today trying to kind of get a grip on like what the story was and I'm still not 100% sure. He's like a ghost who was mean in his life and his punishment is he has to watch the greed of humanity yeah. forever and the ch- he's held on my chains which is why he's Marley. But the chains he put on him himself, I think yeah. that was a metaphor for him being an asshole in yeah. his life, and now he needs someone else to give him the uh, repentance, like generosity. Yeah, give him some generosity that he didn't give people, so he kind of relying on someone's generosity to free him from this torment. And to the kids, to the kids' credit, yep. he he spends his last fifty p and gives away his, and I made a note of this because I liked it. His Ex mutant killer crocodile, crocodile spelled with a K. Um, Bauble. So I assume that was just a Marvel reference. I think it literally was just like a (laughs) one-off like I don't it wasn't even like a reference, I think it was literally just like a What's going to happen at some point is Tom King's gonna be looking (laughs) for a project. And he's gonna listen to the podcast and he's gonna go, that bauble that Ryan Jamie talked about. I think I'm going to do an ex-mutant killer crocodile run and it's going to be like, i know award-winning <laughs> <laughs> seminal tale. It, it becomes the new cornerstone of the MCU. <laughs> like, it just blows up. But The Rock gets cast as killer crocodile. <laughs> no, we've already, we've already cast The Rock in something on the podcast. We can't cast him twice. Yeah, but this is a Marvel thing, so it's different. Yeah, I suppose. The, the-, the geologist in the end of the world thing is, it's not going to be a Marvel thing, is it? Well, you never know. No. You've only got to throw Spider-Man at it. Yeah. Spider-Man, hyphen. Spider-Man. No, come on. There's a hyphen. You got to follow oh, your rules. Oh fuck! If sake. you insist on this um, sh- <laughs> chicanery, then at least follow the rules. Chicanery. Chicanery. Great <laughs> no, word. No, it's such a fantastic word. Whenever anyone's messing around, chicanery. Like call it out tomfoolery. Tomfoolery is a great one as well. Uh, shenanigans, obviously. Um, so yeah, I wasn't as big a fan of this this one because well, again, like as I was trying to describe it, I didn't really make sense of it. I got the gist. Like I thought it was a nice, fun, grounded narrative a grounded story about a ghost in chains. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, in terms of, like, Christmas stories, like, when I say grounded, I don't necessarily mean it was a particularly grounded narrative. I meant they did something fun with an ancillary character from a superhero franchise, but made it Christmassy. Yeah, and that is, that's pretty fair, like, that is the whole anthology. And for a company who, at the time, subsisted surely on the desires of children to own their shit, their toys, their comic books... Oh, yeah. Sending a message to children that you shouldn't be too super greedy at Christmas, I think is actually quite socially responsible of Marvel. Yeah. I... For the time, it was the 90s. You could still put toy adverts on fucking children's TV back then. Sure, you can now, can't you? I don't watch a lot of kids' TV. <laughs> I, let's just assume they do. Well, no, I, I don't. I, don't I, think, I think back then you were allowed to show the toys doing things they couldn't actually do, weren't you? Maybe. Toy advertising in the 90s was wild. Yeah, it was like crack of its day yeah totally but i i think for me this story i i I, for me it was a swing and a miss like i see what they were trying to do it just the execution just didn't quite sit with me like it all just felt a bit too shoehorned in and ultimately all these stories are superhero stories with christmas stuff shoehorned in like that's i think it's fair enough to say that is all of them but the execution i think was better on some and not as good on this one like but i think it was good enough in the end um interesting tidbit about the fantastic four Ben Grimm, one of the few Jewish uh, superheroes. Yes. And to the point where I'm pretty sure I've seen him in like a proper rabbi um, get up because I think he like officiated a Jewish wedding at some point in the Marvel comics. Yeah. Um, they're also weird, I'm looking at the comic now, weird woman with a key who's just like, you know that guy who who's being tortured? I've got the key, and you need to give me something you value for it. Well, it was, you need uh, you need to give me everything you have. Yeah. And he gave her the 50 cents, and she's like, no, you you still you have, have something else. that you value. It's like not my ex mutant killer crocodile bauble. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, that bauble's rad. It's pretty cool. I'd buy that if I saw that. I'd be like, I'd have that immediately. Right? Should we make it? Merch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marvel, don't don't ask us where we got the. It's like you literally put X and mutant in the name. It's like don't ask us where we got the idea from. <laughs> they'd be like. You stole the X Mutant, like, that's copyright law. It's like, aha, we actually stole the whole thing. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. joke's I mean, on you. I wonder how long it would take Marvel to notice. I think they've probably got like automatic searches for X and Mutant. And it's definitely based on the Turtles as well. I think it was like a cross kind of thing. I mean, look, no, look. Yeah, it is. It. Yes, he's got the size. He's Raphael. Yeah, essentially. it's he's got the size. He's got a red headband. He's definitely Raphael. But then, what's great about that is that's coming coming full circle. Because do you remember from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episode we did? I do. Do you remember the the origin? How that's related? Yeah. It's Daredevil. For anyone, for anyone who hasn't heard that, the Daredevil origin, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles writers basically took that origin and said, also the turtles were there, and that's why they became mutants. So yeah, fun little tidbit. Also interestingly, um, Franklin Richards becomes one of the most powerful characters in uh, in Marvel because really? he he uh, so it's revealed that he's a mutant, so he has the mutant gene, which they suspect might have been developed because of his parents' cosmic radiation that gave them powers. And his powers are basically re- reality manipulation, like he can like create entire universe. Oh like, shit! Yeah. I think I think the mutants thing really complicates the Marvel universe in terms of how people get their powers. There's too many different, like in DC, people just have powers. So in DC, they kind of co-opted the sim a similar thing, not as much, but they started using the term metahuman. Yeah. So they, yeah, yeah. it wasn't there wasn't like a blanket explanation. Mm. It wasn't like we've got a metahuman problem. Although later things did co-opt that to a degree, not yeah. to the level of the mutants in X Men in Marvel. But so there, it's like metahuman is just anyone who develops a power. But people just develop powers out of nothing. People literally just born. They're like, oh yeah, they got fire powers. So it's never. Then ne- I think Marvel actually do better by having this tool to be like, how does this person have powers, mutant? But not everyone who has powers is a mutant. No, <laughs> <But> <laughs> that's everyone, what makes it baffling. But everyone think. else has a their own explanation. Thor just got a magic hammer. He's not even the real Thor. So original thor was they retconned it so he was original thor but he was cast out of asgard and he they wiped his memories that's when they made them donald blake right now then that got retconned again so now he's just he was always thor grew up in asgard yeah but um but i i like the marvel thing where it's like we need to give someone powers they're mutants whereas dc is like oh they're a metahuman so what does that mean don't worry about it they're a meta yeah Yeah. whereas at least in marvel if you're not a mutant you there's some other specific explanation and yeah okay that makes sense that's i mean it's personal preference like and i suppose because because the x-men aren't in the mcu they play a much smaller role in marvel's stuff at the moment anyway i mean right now yeah they they should be becoming a big part like soon because they've recently got the rights to them and there's been some cameos of characters in the mcu i think i i think yeah colossus would be a really great place to start because we've had so much logan and we've seen a bit of colossus in the mcu i think they're going to start with like original lineup x-men i reckon and that's based on a spoiler from a recent release recently released film so and this kind of gives it away but if you don't want to hear spoilers a post-credit scene from the marvels skip ahead 30 sec, skip ahead two minutes just in case um, post-credits in the marvels one character ends up in another parallel universe or something yeah and they wake up to a beast from the x-men right okay so they are already stating that it's the x-men are a separate universe and they're probably going to collide and merge or something like that Yeah. so yeah end of spoilers in case someone <laughs> skipped it and come back <laughs> uh the next story i would probably my personal favorite i'm gonna be honest with you I skimmed this one a bit when I read it. I can't remember a thing that happened. It's Punisher, though, isn't it? It's the Punisher, yeah. 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 And to be fair, the story is pretty bare bones anyway. The reason my personal favourite is I I really like the Punisher character. Yeah. Now, the thing you've always got to clarify with that is I find, like, I've seen other Punisher fans. I do not endorse the Punisher yeah. and, his, and his means and motives and whatever. I find the character fascinating because I find him, like, he's like a character embodying a philosophical debate on, like, justice and punishment and all those kind of things so i really like the character i I, when he's written the best is when he he is challenging the norms of the marvel universe yeah um when he's not written well is when he's just violent for the sake of violence and that can cross over into ways like garth ennis most famously wrote him and he was very much a I'm just gonna have the Punisher be really violent. You like Garth Ennis, though, don't you? I like Garth Ennis. I like his Garth Ennis run uh, on his run on Punisher. It's called Punisher Max. Did did we read something by Garth Ennis recently? We did the boys. Of course, mm. of course. Sorry, so we know <laughs> we know what he's like. But, yeah, 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 a little but, bit dark. Yeah, but I find the Punisher is so good when he's like interacting with other supers because yeah. all other supers fucking hate him, like for good reason. Yeah, and he is enhanced, isn't he? He is nope. super. No, no, no. He's enhanced. just a badass. He's just a badass. He is the only closest thing is he's known to have an almost superhuman level of pain resistance right to the point where i think at one point he was like operated on without anesthesia and the thing is it's not that he doesn't feel pain it's that he just doesn't give a shit um but i like the punisher again because he's just interesting in the context wider context It was an interesting choice to have for a christmas themed story as a side note by the way if mm. you did just skip ahead by the precise two minutes that ryan told you what you've missed is two minutes of ryan talking about how he loves the punisher sure. and endorses everything that he does yeah 100%. Continue. i have the tattoo i put, <laughs> put them on my guns and all that i literally put a timer on my phone for two <laughs> minutes just for that bit <laughs> that's good very very professional i thought it was uh what's great about the Punisher as well is again a His logo appears on a lot of like soldiers and cops stuff in America, which is bad. Yeah, which is bad because they are completely misconstruing the message of the Punisher. Um, But what's good is in a more recent comic, they actually did it where the Punisher runs into some police and normally the police are meant to be like arresting the Punisher for obvious reasons. He's basically a superhero serial killer, essentially. But the police are like, nah, nah, we we support you, and they show him like having his symbols on their guns and stuff. And the Punisher's like, you fucking idiots! Like, you're meant to be police. Like, you're meant to hold, you're meant to hold the law and like enforce it. Like, I'm a criminal. Like, I'm like Punisher. The the Punisher was so good about him. He's very self aware. He's like, I'm fucked up. Like, I'm I'm doing this because I I feel I need to. No one else should be doing it. Or uh, uh, he obviously has that argument with. He has an argument with superheroes. He says, oh, the yeah. superhero should be doing what he's doing. But basically, he has to go with the police for doing it. And that was a very well-intentioned, like, writing against people who in real life value the Punisher and, yeah, like, follow totally. his values. Punisher being like, you're fucking idiots, so don't do that. I didn't realize that he, that he kind of had that status. Well, it's the whole thing of, like, you know, like... Shoot first, ask questions later. Like Fuck, that. Mentality. yeah, Jesus Christ. I mean, we can't get into that today. No. This is a Christmas episode. Yeah. Well, this, this is... is a joyous time. I'm full of Yuletide <laughs> spirit. That's why it's so weird that we've got a Christmas themed Punisher. Uh, yeah. And story. did you say he was famously Jewish? No, that's the thing. That's right, Grim, okay. Ben Grimm the thing. Sorry. Ben Grimm the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds there's, like a hip hop name. There's a great panel from the original Fantastic Four, and I saw this on like Reddit. It's <laughs> basically like Reed Richards not being able to read the room because when they're talking about having powers and becoming superheroes they'll the the human torch is like well i'm based like a human torch so i'm gonna call myself that and she's like well i'm gonna call myself the invisible woman and then the thing is like i'm a monster like who would ever love me like i'm just a thing and that's what i'm gonna call myself and then Reed Richards goes, and I'm going to be Mister Fantastic. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ, man! Your mate's like fuck in a really bad place right Have now. Have some <laughs> humility. He's like, ah, I'm going to be Mister Fantastic. Like oh, I'm awesome. Brilliant, great panel. Like look up if you can find it. So do you want me to say the story of this? Yeah, because I haven't got a scope. What's going on? So basically, what happens is we're like a kind of underpass in America where, unfortunately, a lot of homeless people are having to huddle around a fire and it's nearly christmas so they're you know additionally sad for that and some gang members and drug dealers are doing a deal of some kind and there's a bit of dialogue there like what the situation is with them and it's not all not all peaches and then it turns out the punisher is hiding amongst the homeless people rips off his like disguise it's like i'm gonna shoot these gangsters and what i like as well is the gangsters go off and like they split up so like the the of the sides of the meeting one goes one way one goes the other yeah and punisher does make a note of being like i don't know who these other guys are and i don't i, I don't know them i don't know if they've been violent i know these ones who i'm after have killed people mm. so that's who i'm going after and then he's chasing after him i think they're like he's chasing they're like trying to get away on the bridge and he like cuts them off and then it turns out the deal they made they were being double crossed Cause the other guys put a bomb in the money they were giving them. Right. So Punisher's she's like, ah, oh, bollocks, they're getting away. And then their car explodes. He's like, oh, that works out well. <laughs> and that sounds like that feels like a Deus Ex Machina, but normally Punisher almost has like a 99% hit rate of like getting his the his target. Yeah. So I'm fine with them doing it like this. And then the money explodes and it kind of rains down over the homeless people and it's a bit of like a hey these people have got something and punishers like ah, i'll let them have the money whoever because i think it's it's context with this that the punisher basically uses the funds like he, he funds himself with the money from these to continue his one man you know tirade against criminals yeah. so he's like you know i'll let these people have the money like it's literally raining from the sky i'm not going to run around trying to catch it whatever <laughs> so i'll just ex- let the people let them eat cake yeah so again it was my personal favorite i don't think it was that great a christmas story I think they just kind of wanted to get the Punisher in there just to have him like on the front cover. Was he super popular at the time? I think he's always been quite popular because, again, he's that level of like, for the people who are like, why do the bad guys keep like going to prison and escaping again and out again? Like, Mm. if you're one of those, then you have the Punisher. He was like, no one's really getting away from him. Like, yeah. The few recurring villains he has have died several times anyway. So I think he was somewhat, especially like this point leading up to the 90s. Where it got yeah. much grittier. Like Punisher's was like prime fodder for like carrying that torch of like grittier superheroes who bit more morally ambiguous. Like he's like he was already there, so I think he got much more popular in the nineties. Makes sense. Any thoughts on it at all? Well, I mean, beyond what you've said, because I'll be honest with you, I I glossed past this one because it was so short. So I'm looking back on it now. Don't like the artwork. Yeah, I see that. It's all very blue, is my issue with it. And, like, I don't really think they nailed the snow. Like, the snow is just kind of falling in front of whatever's happening, but there's no actual snowfall anywhere? Uh, There's a little bit, but I I know exactly what you mean. What I do love, though, however, and I think this would make a fantastic poster, is the very final panel of him stood on the roof with a chimney full of toys and a sniper rifle. Yeah, with a yellow moon in the background and smoke coming off a factory. I just think that's wonderful imagery. I think the reason why there's not much snow in this properly is because I think, like, the more white in the panels, I think would be confusing for, like, the white background of panels. So I think it was, like, a bit of a cut around you. Yeah? I do appreciate, I like that at this point in time when they were coming off the eight, the more conservative like 80s uh, of comics the pun a character like the punisher he had to like shoot guns and kill people but there was like never any blood he never saw anyone actually yeah. get hit it was just contextually like punisher shot him and he died like that's what you need to kind of get yeah. across um but yeah it was a nice like splash panel at the end kind of thing uh not the best punisher story but you know you're not expecting the best punisher story are you not in a christmas holiday <laughs> special probably not so the next story i think I think we're actually going to be a bit at odds with over? I was not a fan of this next one. This was my favourite. <laughs> Do you want to talk us through a bit first then? So Thor is on his way home for the midwinter festival and shit kicks off and he has to fight a goblin. So that in itself yeah. Great. <laughs> it's not the main part of the story though is it? Or it's, it's not the the vehicle for the story is it? Right but this is that's the bit I want to talk about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I found the reason I wasn't that Hot on this one is because it felt like the actual Christmas part of it was like almost separate from the Thor stuff. Yeah, like it didn't feel connected at all. And the one part that does connect it, but there's one part that connects it, which I was alright with. Another part that connects it, I'm like, what happened? Why? Why? Is, I don't understand. So it sounds like you should probably lead the charge with this one. <laughs> so basically, the story is that there's there's a guess a Viking, like an actual Viking, on Earth um trying to on a ship what whatever the viking ship is called man of war. sure um one of those trying to get back home to his his darling something wife miss i don't know a woman and she's like standing at this storm like i hope this guy gets back my seagird i think is his name um yeah. And she's hoping that the storm will, you know, like allow him to get back and everything. And then through all this, it's like, and anyway, Thor and Odin are in Asgard, and there's a bloody wizard who's launched an asteroid at Asgard. And Odin's like, "Ah, oh, hang on, don't do anything about this yet." No, uh, yeah, you're right. It's a hot mess, isn't it? <laughs> and, then, and then he's like, "All right, now just destroy it with your hammer." And Thor's yeah. like, "All right, here we go." And then the destruction of the asteroid becomes a beacon for the for sea and his ship to sail towards yeah so that part i'm like okay that's you know a bit of a link and i'm fine like that's like a a god's guiding the way for humans i wasn't as hot on it being just like an accident like they don't know why like thor has no idea about these people and then odin before thor destroys the asteroid he's like oh yeah get all off get a bunch of great food and stuff and Thor's like why and he's like there's no time like i'll tell you later and then that food just appears with uh, the woman who's waiting for Sigurd, and then Sigurd gets there, and he's like, "Hey, we made it because we saw a light." And she's like, "Somewhat, some mysterious figure dropped off all this food." And I'm like, "Why? Why did Odin do that? <laughs> what, why did he?" And then it turns out it wasn't Odin; it was Santa, yeah. or or it was Odin. I, it looks similar to Odin, it's Santa. but it's different, isn't it? So the original German version of Santa would often be portrayed as skinny, the white beard, and he would often either have green, yellow, or blue or purple robes. There, there wasn't a whole lot of consistency, as you'd imagine. Hmm. Um, and that, but, is what, that is the one we're looking at here at the end. Yeah, totally. And I think that is like a Kris Kringle or a Klaus kind of figure so it's a it's an early it's an earlier European you know version of of the modern father Christmas that we have now, and he's got two goats instead of the reindeer, yeah, again, nothing that's not common um that was the writer just like this this kind of fits well because of Thor's yes, so I think the implication is that he's maybe even using Thor's chariot, but again, Thor's chariot not super known for the flying <laughs> mm. and again. The why is just the biggest thing with this one. I'm like, why yeah. is this Thor story co- so loosely connected to this kind of Christmassy story? Like, I think I think what this tickles for me, and this is probably just an area I should explore a bit more in comic books in general... Is that I just quite like Thor. <laughs> I mean, I think you like that one in the same way I like the Punisher one. Yeah, It wasn't a great Christmas story, but it had our favorite characters. And so we were just like, yeah, cool. See them doing their stuff. Fair in mind, I've never read a Thor. This is like the first time I've ever read a Thor comic. You've read one Thor comic. It was the f- number one of Immortal Thor by Al Ewing. Oh, I did. And that was really good. Yes. We will we'll cover that properly Yeah, later yeah totally. On, yeah. So yeah, like... This was, yeah, this was maybe like the second time I've actually read a Thor comic. And obviously, we know how I feel about Thor. There's a whole episode on Jamie's love of the Norse mythology. Yep. Yeah, no, you're right. It's a hot mess. The artwork is kind of middling. Yeah. is very mid. Very mid-guard. That's what you come here for. Should I put a ping counter? A, a pun counter on that sure, Absolutely. Yeah. It's worthy. That was a fantastic <laughs> pun. If he who's worthy of a pun shall get the pun ding sound. It's written on the hammer. <laughs> it's written yeah. on Yeah, So yeah, though two stories that just kind of had Christmas shoehorned into them. Uh the next one, I really like this next one, is the Captain America one. I should but go But it back also to- has the thing in it, right? No, the thing was in one at the begin like near the beginning, that's it. Don't lie to me. Yes. <laughs> so but just a- disgusting filthy lies, Ryan. Just to mention as well. So Christmas Code was the fantastic four one. Midnight Drear was the Punisher one. Twas a Midwinter's Night was the Thor one. Yeah. And now this one is uh Precious Gifts uh with the Captain America one. So again, I've never read a Captain America comic. I mm. didn't realize how fucking blonde he was. He's he's the all American boy. Yeah, I suppose he's the all American hero, isn't he? Mm. He's the he's the blonde haired, blue eyed boy who fought against the Nazis. <laughs> Very yeah. important distinction. But yeah, I really like this one. The I mean, did you do you want to try and give the story on this one? No, okay. This is you liked this one. So I really like this one. So basically, Captain America true captain america fashion he's spending christmas um basically helping out at a what you call it like a food kitchen uh, yeah like soup soup a kitchen. Soup kitchen. yeah for homeless veterans or not even homeless just veterans in general um yeah. giving them christmas dinner and it turns out the woman he's working with there he realizes by pure chance because it's christmas she is the kind of long-lost sister of bucky barnes yeah so at this stage of Marvel Comics, Bucky Barnes was only the kid sidekick of Captain America who died in the war. Yeah. So what's interesting is at this point, Bucky Barnes was considered a kind of alongside like Ben Parker, Uncle Ben, of mm. characters who were dead and stayed dead. Yeah. And then it wouldn't be till years later, like I think in the '90s, when uh, I think writer Ed Brubaker, who great writer, we're definitely going to cover stuff by him later on, um, he brought the character back as the winter soldier yeah and it was actually like a really interesting at the time it was a really interesting like reveal of like who is this mysterious new character oh my god it's that character who died like decades ago like in real time and has never come back since um so at this point we're dealing with a proper dead character and the nice story is captain america realizes that this woman doesn't know what happened to bucky and basically he's at the soup kitchen just as um steve rogers yeah, he then yeah. dons the captain america costume goes to a house and like literally reveals like hey he doesn't even reveal who he is but he's like i'm captain america as you know i'm here to tell you that the kid who you've seen in like world world war ii footage was your brother because i'll be honest with you until i realized what the story was about it had this intro that was really confusing to me so it has the it has the yellow box, the like not dialogue dialogue box that Marvel love, the like narration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it said many years ago there was a terrible war in which brave men fought and sometimes died to defend the world from the madmen called Nazis. Two of the bravest of those soldiers were Captain America and his youthful partner Bucky. And I'm like, why is it? <laughs> like, obviously, I read the opening panel and I was like. Did people not know who Captain America was in the early 90s? Like, did we need that recap? And then obviously as you go through the story, it makes sense all of a sudden. I mean, to be fair as well, Captain America was not a popular character at this point. No, because the Avengers weren't super popular at this point, were they? The reason the Avengers existed at all was because they took a bunch of characters who weren't selling as well by themselves. They were like, let's throw them together in a group and uh, try this. Which is why there's less synergy between the powers on the Avengers and the Fantastic Four. Yeah. Because the, yeah, the Fantastic Four were built from the grand opposite ensemble, weren't they? Yes. Whereas the Avengers is is like a rough ensemble of characters that weren't very popular. Yeah. And Captain America wasn't even in the original Avengers lineup. He actually came in like maybe just a couple of issues later. But like so pa- was it originally Iron Man, Thor, Ant Man, uh, Wasp, uh, and Hulk, who was kind of the first villain, but really it was Loki controlling the Hulk. So Hulk kind of joined later. And this is the thing when you' Bring and Thor into S- Scarlet story. Widow and Hawkeye, were gone. Oh, so they were they were OG. I th- think maybe not issue one. I think they might have come in a bit like but, around um, Captain America time, as relatively well. early. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, I mean, this wasn't a bad Captain America story. It was a great representation of him. If anything, I appreciated that this was a story where they didn't feel the need to shoehorn in some superhero fighting. Yeah, which is less so in this. But comics generally, like you read one issue of a of a character. And it's like we have to get in a fight somewhere. It's like it doesn't make you like you're, this is a building blocks issue. Yeah, because they need to sell every issue each month or each fortnightly or whatever. They they have to put in a fight every time. So I appreciate this didn't have a fight in. Like this was just a character story about what makes the character so interesting. He's so selfless. Like he's on christmas day like he says like (laughs) i ain't got no family and i don't want to bother my co-workers and friends to like jump in on there so i'm just going to help people and then when he realizes what happened he could have then and there be like hey i think your brother was uh bucky barnes the i think he was the guy in the sidekick to captain america yeah he went home he put the costume on got the shield went around the house and did the proper like army like i'm here to inform you that your loved one has this is something that kind of is interesting about cap because he is super he's enhanced isn't he so again this is a this is a strange answer at this point he was enhanced in a way Mm. but the the point and the result of the enhancement was he was the peak human physical condition so he's not super but he was in he was artificially enhanced to become like the strongest fastest most endurable a human could possibly be right okay and then he's now later he's now strong he's now superhuman strong and fast and everything cuz like thor just always has mjolnir with him and obviously the hulk can just hulk out and iron man you know later iterations the suit kind of finds him or whatever steve rogers has to run home and get the shield like his whole thing is that he has a shield and you can't just walk about as steve rogers with a fucking great shield can no. you and i think what's that makes him kind of more interesting as a character cuz he's not a superhero who's like i mean they've they've almost certainly done this but he's not the super like oh i'm gonna go into an alley and change and like and interrupt this bank mm. robbery he's always been a guy who's like he he is his job essentially is to go to places that need him and be captain america and i suppose it makes sense because he is a soldier the yes. rest of them are just civvies whereas it's like no he is a highly trained soldier from world war ii that's his whole thing yeah. i love that they did, i love that in the mcu they didn't retcon his backstory to make him an afghan vet well they the whole point in the avengers was he was unfrozen from world war yeah, yeah, yeah. so with fro when they're frozen you can you know it can always be world war ii but the war that iron man like built the first suit in changes doesn't yeah. it? yeah and that so that obviously had to change for those characters same with the punisher as well is yeah. because they obviously have not been frozen they just exist so it's like well if he's Normal age, like adult age. Now it can't be the Vietnam War because he will be like sixty or seventy by now. But I like that they kind of they didn't abstract him from his roots because I'll be honest with you, I think it would hit different if you had an all-American hero who was enhanced for the Vietnam War. Well, let's be frank here: the Americans were kind of the aggressors, um, and so like it only makes sense for Steve Rogers to be a World War II vet because yeah. it's the last noble war the Americans fought. It's the patriotism that that. You know, uh, is embodies the character literally Captain America. You can't get past that, can you? And the fact that, like, famously, the character was had a front cover of him punching Hitler, like that. Really? Yeah, of course. I mean, Superman had one as well. Like, that's like even weirder. So, were they they still making this shit during the war then? Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it was part of like it was draft dodges. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know if the Captain America one happened during the war or not. I know bloody Superman and Batman was happening during the war, obviously. So Captain America, I think, actually started outside of Marvel. So we've had we've touched on that before. It's just a straight up illustration of a weird-looking shield, man. Um yeah, no, that is a Captain America cover, and he is punching somebody who's very obviously Adolf Hitler yep. in the face. And what's interesting again is Captain America's not originally Marvel. So he he existed pre-Marvel. Oh. And the reason we know that is because of the anecdote from a one favorite of the podcast alan, alan moore. moore it's the alan moore moment <laughs> and he's talking about stan lee where yeah. stanley was like oh yeah when i when i created captain America," and i was like hmm that's funny because uh <laughs> he's like i think he, uh, i think at least stanley was like oh yeah when me and jack kirby created stan uh created captain america and i'm always like that's interesting because uh i believe jack kirby created him before he joined marvel so uh not sure how you got that mixed up. So is up. he a character that he just brought into the Marvel fold? I think Jack Kirby brought him with him. I think, yeah, because he was part of like a very independent, small, like publisher. So he still had the rights, yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't, I, I don't know specifically the rights. I just yeah. know Jack Kirby started him, created him somewhere else, and somehow managed to bring him to Marvel. Maybe yeah. potentially Marvel might have bought the company that Jack worked for originally. I, I, I we'd have to do more research to get into it. But yeah, it's interesting, again, that he's that old a character. Like, predates Marvel, essentially. Yeah. So, the basic story, as I said, he kind of delivers the news to this woman. Like, this elderly woman's like, your brother died in the war. Yeah. I wonder if they maybe touched on this later, or if they just completely forgot about this. Like, did Bucky Barnes later as Win Soldier, did he revisit his, his, his sister or something? Um, but what I loved, what I, a little moment is Captain America's like, alright, I've given you the news, and you know, I should be on my way. She's like, no, "No, no, you stay and have Christmas with us." And you're like, "Ah, oh, there's, there's the Christmas message, and that's all nice, everything." And classic Captain America is like, "Oh no, I wouldn't want to, um, I, I wouldn't want to pose at all." And the woman's like, "Right, get washed up and get <laughs> in the dinner table right now." And he's like, "Yes, ma'am." <laughs> so that was fun, and that I think that was kind of why it was my favorite. Was that one your favorite? Um, oh, let's. Yeah, I'm going to say that one's my favourite. I think that was like the purest Christmas message kind of thing, wasn't it? Like yeah. having someone on the day. It wasn't about like, a th- it wasn't like bigger, grander, like someone's being punished in the afterlife, bollocks. Or, you know, that this one or Captain America or the Spider-Man one. Those, those two uh, are probably my favourite. yes, the Spider-Man one, which we're coming up to soon. Very soon. We've got the, one more left. The next one is very, I thought was very interesting called ghost of christmas present yeah so i don't even know who these characters are mate (laughs) so this one main character is ghost rider so this one i thought was very interesting because i didn't know who it was going to be in the opening part so yeah this story starts off with a kid running away in the snow turns out he was like kidnapped from his home and it's never really explained why (laughs) but that ghost Rider is a very dark character as well he's like punisher adjacent but more like mystical But then the reveal, like, there's a earlier reveal that the kid who's running away in the dark, in the cold, in the snow, is also blind. Well, yeah, but I mean that is nightmare making. That panel is night. So there's a panel where the kid is crawling through the snow again, white blobby snow, but at least there's some on the ground this time. Mm. Again, different art. It's interesting that different artists were like able to do it, but he's crawling through the snow in Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer pajamas, and his eyes are just black. It's uh, they're, galling. they're white, or I'm looking at a panel where they're white. Uh, it's a bit further away. Yeah. That is a galling panel. That is. I'm looking at yeah. a close up, and they've just yeah, whited yeah, yeah. the pupils. Totally, totally. So I've I'm reading this part. And I'm going. Have they put a blind kid in in this to like garner even more sympathy or make it more harrowing? So I wasn't sure how I felt about that. That use of like someone's disability to be like raising the stakes and making it seem more dangerous. But important caveat when the reveal comes that it's the person who's saving this ghost rider i then was like oh i get now totally. it was a nice little choice yeah. wasn't it so the reason that they've used a blind child for this part is because he can't see who's saving him and ghost rider as you see in the panel just standing menacingly with the black eyes and yeah, the flaming yeah. head and everything everyone terrifying yes and i think the point is what makes this story nice is everyone else who Ghost Rider saves, they're like, oh my god, it's a demon and they're going to get me as well. Like, that is what any reasonable person would think and I think is a running theme in Ghost Rider stories. And Histories. I love that panel. That panel is badass. Mm. So it's Ghost Rider stood looking menacingly down at this kid who says, Santa, I'm cold. And he's clinging to Ghost Rider's legs and you are like, this this is horror making yeah this is terrifying but then what makes it nice is it because of this kid being blind he can't see the horror yeah. that everyone else sees so he this is like one of the few moments that ghost rider can actually be just a pure hero without all the extra context so is he not always a hero so the thing with the ghost Rider, is, as i said he's kind of a mystical version of the punisher so he is right. literally he's possessed by the spirit of vengeance and the point is that he is punishing those who do evil and inflicts pain on others. Right. He literally does a thing to the bad guys called the penance stare, which is like is his it's his main thing and the point of the penance stare is he look and anyone can have this happen. He will stare at someone with the stare and make them feel all the pain that they've inflicted to everyone else in their life. So that's the whole point of like punishing the evil, punishing yeah, the wicked. Yeah, yeah. And because the kid is innocent, he's like, yeah, I'll help you. Like I'm I'm only I I think you could almost argue that he was like only there to punish the evil and then he's like i might as well help this kid like it's not on my job description but i might as well but it's get grimace. him home yeah um but yeah coast rider cool as fuck um interesting little tidbits i think he did the penance there once to the punisher and normally the penance there drives people crazy because like when when they're actually confronted with the pain they've caused other people. It drives them mad and that but kind the of The Punisher has a superhuman ability to tolerate pain, right? Well that and because this is more of a mystical thing rather than like yeah, physical yeah. pain. I think the Punisher was just like, Yeah, all right then. Like showed him pain. He was like, Yeah, that was the that was my point. Like that's what I that's what i set out to do like it became a confirmation yeah and i think (laughs) with Punisher, he was just like yeah that's what i was going for so thanks for confirming (laughs) cheers for letting me know i'm doing a fantastic job Mm. of being the punisher and then interestingly there's a one comic of a thanos in the future Mm. and he has a ghost rider who actually turns out to be a frank castle from like another dimension he becomes like a ghost rider who works for thanos because he's gone insane um, and what he does is he actually gets this Ghost Rider to give him the penance stare as a as a fun thing. He's oh. like, I love experiencing all this pain that I've experienced. I've like, dished out to everyone else. He's like, it's like entertainment for him. It's like, Gross. well, in the future, there's no TV. He's like, give me a penance stare so I can like relive all this evil shit I've done. Gross. Yeah, and that builds up the Thanos character, like yeah. how evil he is. But yeah, nice story. I said Ghost Rider gets him home. There's like fun little bits where the blind kid is like oh this is like santa's sleigh and uh, i can hear the reindeer they're really really aggressive actually and it's just like his motorbike like, <laughs> and he like rides across roofs and stuff <laughs> but yeah that was a fun one and i thought that was the juxtaposition of the christmas message and yeah. the ghost rider i thought was it the execution was so good here it just felt like a f- more fun like this character in this scenario, like yeah. it felt like a fun uh, thing. So now that I have some more context and I know more about Ghost Rider, it's <clears> more <throat> interesting. Oh yeah, hundred um, percent. But again, the whole point is: how do these read for a non-superhero fan or a uh, lesser I mean, experienced that superhero? That one fan? made sense. That one made yeah. sense in a way that the Thor one didn't, and the Thor one was originally my favorite. Yeah, this second to last one. Oh boy, I. Did not even know of this character before. So I'm going to be honest with you. This is one that I skim read because it was a hot mess. Yeah, uh, this one's called "It Came and Went on a Mid." It came and went on a midnight clear, and it stars Captain Ultra. And most people, I, I would s- hesitate to guess, to say all people listening to this are going to be like me. Who the fuck is Captain Ultra? So who the fuck is Captain Ultra? I don't know. Oh, I've well, never I never heard... hoping you would. Tell I know, me. but that tells you something in itself. I have no idea. I've never seen this character before. And so based on this, we have to find some Captain Ultra and see if <laughs> there's any good. Well, I Googled him and I he's barely shown up since. I think... <laughs> Do you I, think he was made for this? I, just, I don't think he was made for this. I think he was a pre-existing character. I think around this time, they were trying to make him a character. Right. So it was like, we've got this new character. Let's put him in the big holiday special. Let's give him a story there. And then I think... He just fizzled after that. Yeah. So I think we're kind of looking almost like a time capsule of like, do you remember when they were trying to make Captain Ultra thing? And they he just he he is the partner of someone who is in the Christmas photos (laughs) and (laughs) then get broken up with soon after. They look at the photo like, who the fuck is this guy? It's like, oh, it's that guy Kathy was dating, you know, the one who took his socks off. Exactly. Uh, does does feature Thor There's a brief <laughs> it, cameo well, in... Well, it would need to, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's like, please read this comic. Thor's in it for a second. So, was Thor super popular at this point? Because he's one of the Avengers. Was he, like... So, he was a later addition to the Avengers who was still popular. At this he was point, original right? Avengers. Yeah. Um, original recipe re- uh, Avengers. And recipe. Yeah, I think the, the Avengers was, like, uh, again, Avengers, even as the team, they still weren't as popular as the X-Men or the Fantastic yeah. Four. Basically, the the good rule of thumb with like knowing who was popular, who wasn't, was who got the r- who s- had their rights sold by Marvel when they need when they almost went bankrupt. Yeah, no one wanted the rights to the Avengers or any of the individual Avengers. So Thor wasn't super popular at this point. Not super, not compared to Spider Man or X Men or yeah. Fantastic Four. Popular enough again that they put him in. Like, well, I mean, apparently that wasn't a fucking benchmark, rhyme because Captain Ultra made the cut. <laughs> Captain Ultra, <laughs> who at one point is stuck in a garbage can. <laughs> And is waddling around like one of those hermit crabs. Yeah, part of me did wonder when I was reading this if it was meant to be like a comedy piece and Captain Ultra is like a, a laughable figure. I mean, maybe. He makes one joke that doesn't make any sense because he's turns out he's a stand-up comedian in his normal time. Yeah. the 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 story is maybe somewhat attempt at funny, like maybe it's 90s humour, but one of the jokes he makes, he's talking about going to the... The laugh factory after this, and he's like, Is that the the other comics are gonna be like, Is that a banana peel on your head, or are you just excited to see me? And I'm like, That doesn't make sense. No, also, his costume is horrific. It's what so I think one of the worst superhero costumes I've ever seen is Night Owl from uh Watchman. Watchman, that's not too bad. It's it's, It's like like, it's like a it's like a Poundland Batman costume. This is worse than that. He has like a little nose cover thing. I think it's meant to be a U in his forehead or something. It's all bad. Yeah, and they—they all bad. They acknowledge that in the story, don't they? Yeah. And the story is for anyone who gives a shit about this one: (laughs) is he fights the character called Plant Man or or Plantman? (laughs) Plantman. Plantman. No, no hyphen. So fair enough. Um, and Plantman is. R- resurrecting the Christmas trees. Yeah, What's people's Christmas trees are going missing, <laughs> and Ultraman's like, I absolutely need to change into my costume and sort this out. Yeah, and then in a bit of a interesting twist, he actually reasons with Plant Man, and it's like Plant Man's like, all these trees die, and there's a hole in the ozone there, <laughs> which turns out was a thing in the nineties. I had no idea. Um he's like we need to keep these trees for the ozone and Ultraman's like you know what you actually make a good point why don't we do a compromise so Ultraman's like let them cut down trees I'll replant old trees from last year or somewhere else and you use your powers to root them so we keep the numbers of trees the same. Yeah, which is just, it's, I mean, as a superhero story, it's ridiculous. You yeah. can see they were driving at a moral here. Yes. And <laughs> environmentalism, apparently. And then Plyman is like, hey, thanks. I've got you a gift. And the gift is a much cooler costume, <laughs> a, kind of a black costume, ready for the 90s uh, grittiness. Yeah. And <laughs> but Ultraman's like, well, what's wrong with my current costume? <laughs> Plot Man's like, Look, take, take it from someone who wears salad leaves on his clothes. Uh, it's just a hot mess, isn't it? The yeah. artwork's abysmal as well. It's not surprising the Ultraman did not take off in his like, one of the worst superhero costumes I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. And then we get to, again, one of probably my co-favorites, uh, the Spider-Man one. And the longest one. Yes. And classically, they're going to finish on their... They're going to end on their strongest note. You know, this is... um like a band like ending on their their well, hits hit song you know so the only christmasy thing about this one really is that peter parker swings by his office christmas party this yeah. is a very just relatively solid early 90s spider-man story isn't it yeah i think the point of it is you know thinking about kids who are in the hospital at the time and you know thinking about other people um it's it's jay jonah jameson like reconciling like all right spider-man's not as bad as i think yeah. the whole relationship with jj and um spider-man is is a great one i think like when it's written well when it's written well he jj doesn't like spider-man because he doesn't like uh unregulated uncontrolled masked vigilantes like it's the lack of you know was it not responsibility but like um, accountability accountability exactly so, but this one, I think it pushed it a little too far. And when the, the kids are like, Spider Man saved my life. And Jay's like, ah, no, no that, that ain't changing my mind. It's like, how many kids' lives saved is it going to take? And apparently, answers four. Like, four of them. He's there like, there's a finite number. He's like, fine, I'll accept Spider Man's good some of the time. But when it's written a bit better, I think it's more like, it, it, as I said, it calls to like, not anyone could. Not anyone should just become a mass vigilante, but in this world, Peter Parker is such a pure soul. Yeah, that's why it works. And and the thing is, he doesn't like when it's written really well. He doesn't just out and out dislike Spider Man. He just dislikes his existence. Right. Well, he's always kind of questioning, like, oh, and then he did this. And he's a he's a menace because I think the thing with JJ is he thinks that if Spider Man didn't get involved, that he's kind of getting away with the police who would just go in and sort it out. Yeah, he. I think he's very much like a. What's that, like, conservative Republican kind of, like, let the police sort it out, the they do their job. Gun. Yeah, like, they'll sort out kind of thing. And very obviously in the Marvel Universe, it's like, bloody Doc Hawk with his metal arms, <laughs> like, police ain't gonna do shit. Yeah. Like, the police have got a taser and a handgun. Yeah, it's like, I don't think they're gonna handle it. But I think that's the point of his character. And it makes, yeah. like, he represents, like, a real-world type of person. So. And I suppose also he's in the Fourth Estate, isn't he? Yeah, he's in the newspapers. Yeah, so he's in the Fourth Estate, and so to a certain degree, like his livelihood is contingent on him making a lot of noise when Spider-Man does make a mistake. Mm. And so it kind of makes sense that that would be that character, right? Yeah. It also swings right to and fro, pun not intended. Ding, 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 ding! I'll put the button in <laughs> there. But the the Daily Bugle kind of swings from like legitimate newspaper to... like tabloid yeah so when it's a tabloid it kind of makes more sense because they're just driving for like yeah. readers so it's like spider Man. you know that superhero well he fucking destroyed a car or something like and he like let people get away so they're obviously going for that readership but it does seem like jj's like does believe it like i respect at least that he believes that yeah he's i suppose yeah he's actually pretty sincere yeah he's not just like oh this is popular so i'll do this anyway so whereabouts are we in spider-man's main arc here like is mj still about like because again this this feels like a pretty pretty bread and butter spider-man story yeah i think at this point like because when we covered one more day the famously bad spider-man retconning story real bad um when we did that it did uh, in my research it did appear that like they seem to get married in the late 80s so they're married at this point right i should think so like probably because we don't really see much of her do we no and there's no reason we would in this one really but she's in a splash panel with them like it's like peter and mj so i think they are married but i think they went through like ups and downs you know for interest and drama it's like so maybe they might have been like at worst separated for some like at this yeah. time maybe or or maybe they're just happily married and she's at home but yeah it's oh, I thought you said she's a hoe, <laughs> but no she's at home right in this context we only use ho in the ho 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 context ding 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 ding. you are full of them today that's not quite a pun is that? Oh, <laughs> that's like... it's close enough that you get a ding <sighs> three dings in one episode that's crazy that is wild isn't it well I think with this one again it was a nice enough story like as you say kind of bare bones enough it did remind me of something. Yeah, go for it. Which I'm going to show you now. So I found, I saw this. So this is a bit from uh, the animated Spider-Man cartoon in the late 90s, early noughties. Late 90s, I would say. Seminal Spider-Man, like made my generation all Spider-Man fans. Like, Like if you weren't reading comics, you watched this and that probably got you into comics later. So there's a bit from that. And I remembered watching this at the time and i'd never noticed this part so this is from a short that was probably on tiktok or something and they basically this is spider-man meeting with a child in the hospital who is a big fan she's written letters and stuff yeah. and he's like i'm gonna go visit this kid and like be spider-man for her and stuff and he tells her like her his origin and stuff mm-hmm. and and then well i'll show you the video so i'm going to show James this video then we're going to talk about it after. it's 16 seconds so it's fine what the fuck? So... The, what the actual fuck? So the short has some added audio, but the, the visuals are all from the cartoon. Can I, can I explain what happens? Sure. Peter Parker meets a child. She asks who he is, and he says, sure, for you, I'll tell you who I am. He unmasks himself. Inexplicably, she knows who this so, random... Because she's such a big fan, when they can't. She knows the photographer who's taking all the Spider Man photos. So she's right. like cutting them out of newspapers. She's So like, this Peter Parker guy's taking all this photo. So she knows him that way. So she recognizes him as Peter Parker. Yeah. She says, It's okay. I'll keep your secret for the rest of my life. He jumps out of the window and the frame pans down to a sign that says it's the hospital for terminally ill children. Yeah. And I. That's <laughs> dark, Ryan. I saw this clip and I was like, Did that actually happen? And I went back and checked. I was like, that actually happened. I com- it completely went over my head watching it as a kid. Do you think they knew what they were doing? Absolutely. I think it was meant to this. This shot was cut in a way where it's very quick. Yeah, yeah. I think it was meant to be revealed in a way. I think it was meant to be revealed in a way. It was like, oh, Spider Man. The reason he visited this kid is because she's terminally ill. And I think it was meant to be like kind of explaining the episode of like that's was why she he was there about all the, time. the rest of her life. Yeah. <laughs> They really put in a, I think they put in a joke without real, a dark joke without realizing it was a dark joke. That's so fucked up, man. Because I think, I think in the original one, I don't know if I'm at like, was the Mandela affecting this or not? I'm pretty sure that she goes like, I'll, I'll keep your secret for the rest of my life. And I, I could almost swear. He goes, you know, I think you might just be, I think you're right about that. No shit. I think, yeah. Oh my God. What, until 6pm? Like, what the <laughs> fuck, man? So, the, reading this story, I went, I remember this thing, and then managed to find like, I can't wait for Jamie to see That's this. <laughs> so fucked up, Ryan. So, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so, yeah, I think uh, that we've covered the Marvel 91 special, and we are in sufficient festive spirit. How did you feel about the Marvel 91 special, Ryan? Overall, I thought it was fun. Like, I, do you know what? Like as because these kind of things are always just like a crude way of selling extra comic books to grandparents to give to their kids at christmas right yeah and you know what on that level it fully delivered um yeah no i think they should keep doing them i think they should make more of them i liked the variation like how how different all the stories were and stuff i think even if they don't do this specific type of anthology the comics like marvel dc they have always been doing christmas specials like yeah. every year if it's a chance to make an extra comic and sell an extra comic they'll take any reason they can get and obviously christmas is one of the biggest ones that they could yeah like i said earlier there's a christmas one right now a dc one with batman and superman which hopefully we'll do next year once all the issues were actually released but yeah i enjoyed it for what it was it, yeah, was, me too. it was a bit fun. Of fun i had fun with it it was a lot i think it added value by being also nostalgic in that nine, early 90s yeah. era comics, so that was fun as well. Got introduced to Ultraman. Like... I'm definitely going to seek out every Ultraman <laughs> thing I can. We're going to do a full episode on Ultraman. Yeah, and the, the talk's going to be, who the fuck is Ultraman? Yeah, Ultraman, the superhero that wasn't. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that's it. Um, One thing we were going to do at the top of the episode, but we didn't, we're not sure if we're going to have an episode next week or not. I think tentatively we should be having an episode next week. It really depends on schedules this time of year and all that kind of stuff. So, fingers crossed, hopefully we do have one next week. If we do it, we might both just be drunk. Yeah, that'd be, I mean, that'd be a fun way to go. I think we can at least say what we're doing for it. We know what the next episode is going to be. It's going to be our cheers and cheers For the year yeah Uh, absolutely we need to work out what is it the gen z parlance for ranking things yeah because we're doing an s to f tier jobby yeah but the tiers are top one is goated yeah uh based is like it's good but you know it's like it's decent goated based mid Mid, yeah and something for bad clutch clutch bad yeah clutch or cringe cringe i think is uh I cringe is more commonly used cringe is its own category yeah. like oh cringe man yeah no so it's goated based mid cringe no we need a so s tier is goated a yep. tier is based based which means b tier is mid yeah c tier is like like eh like i like i in my millennial pants i'd be like eh, nah. eh but then that's kind of mid isn't it like so it needs to be a bit bad like yeah so c mid. tier is mids and then f tier is cringe. Yes. And then that means that b we need to find something for b tier, something between I feel like a b I think we can condense them a little bit. I think we can go just in order goated based mid and cringe. Goated based mid and cringe. Cuz okay. goated is like best of the best. Yeah, yeah, so like you what you're really aiming for is like you got your good, bad and mid. So you know, based mid cringe, but then if something exceeds based then it's goated. goated. Yes. So we're glad we've sorted that out. <laughs> so have a very Merry fucking Christmas. From everyone here at the Comic Literate team. <laughs> all of us. All of us have a wonderful... They don't know. No. They don't know. And if you want to <laughs> wish us a Merry Christmas, then you go on to You can do so your, at comicliterate at gmail.com. Or in the form of a five-star review. On wherever you get your podcasts from. Exactly. Please watch some TikToks. Merry Christmas. Bye sleigh bells and you need to edit in sleigh bells right now i was gonna give it and to all a good night <laughs> oh i missed it fuck <laughs> sleigh bells there needs to be sleigh bells slay girl <laughs> i'll put in uh, i'll put in an audio <laughs> clip of um what's his name uh don't look at me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. rupaul going to sleigh i'll put in that yeah all right bye. bye <laughs>